And not that I want to kill anybody else's buzz, but this is not an adult holiday. New Year's Eve, for instance, is for adults. That is an adult holiday. Halloween is not an adult holiday. Way to go. You're a bad guy. You're a buzzkill. We're just having fun. You are. I'm not a bad guy, and I'm all for having fun. I'm just an adult, and I'm not a child. Seriously, nobody thinks that's funny. Nobody thinks that's cool. Memo to adults, because a lot of you need to hear this. Halloween is for kids, young kids. It's not your holiday. It's harsh. It's rough. Truth hurts, but not as much as the rest of us having to look at your costume. It's not funny. It's not clever. It's not cute. Nobody is impressed. It's an us-against-them deal. Them are people who wear costumes. Us, the rest of the world. Adults. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. From like, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years ago. Hello everybody, welcome in. It is the Stone on Air podcast for October 26th. Yes, just on the heels of Halloween. October jumped up and ran off just like all the rest of them do. My name is Brian, thanks for finding the show. We'll get things started here in a matter of seconds. Find this show each and every Thursday for the rest of this year anyway. I am uh, pretty pretty sure that I've made up my mind completely that it will go back to a Wednesday midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga starting in 2024. And I will likely take the entire month of December off. I'm not entirely sure on that one yet. So that would mean... There are only four Thursdays, I think. I don't have the calendar in front of me right now. Left for November. I again, if there's five, then there's five. But and if there's something that really just jumps off the page, if if asshole Weston Womp decides to be, you know, what he normally is, an attention-seeking, you know, a hole, then you know maybe I'll do a, a show. We'll see how uh, December unfolds. But. Um, that's the goal for now, and I will be out of the country, as a matter of fact, which I'm really excited for. Hopefully, all my passport issues are taken care of. I never talked about that on the show, um, and I don't even remember what they are at this point to bring it up now, but I had some, some, some uh, a lot of issues. In the world now where you can't just pick up a phone and call somebody, and you can't walk into an establishment and get something done, you know, there's so many things that are great about that. Most times, most of us, at least, I mean, I don't mean to speak for everybody else. I don't really like dealing with people. So if I can just do things electronically and kind of take care of them myself, I do like that. But then, you know, the flip side of that is when you got a real question and something you really need to get figured out, it's kind of hard. So I I think I've got that taken care of. But I will be, uh, for the final week of December, I'll be in Cancun for uh, Christmas, changing things up nicely, actually. It's an all-inclusive resort. I don't know exactly what the hell a recovering alcoholic is going to do with that. <laughs> so, we'll see. I'll talk more about that as uh, the year comes to a close over the next three or four or five weeks or so. So, today's show, I'll lay it out for you quickly. I'm going to try to get fast here in the open. Plenty of things I want to get to. And the final two-thirds of the show is going to be talking about Riverbend. So, I won't talk about it at all here in the open but if you care, you know, it's gone, the quote-unquote hiatus. And my guest in the second segment of the show will be Barry Corder, formerly of the Times Free Press and currently the co-host of the What Podcast. If you are here regularly at all, you know exactly who Barry is. If not, I'll lay that out a little bit more a little bit later on. So the final two-thirds, all Riverbend, all the time. I'll get you three pieces of audio. Actually, I'll get you four pieces of audio because I just stumbled on one in the last hour or so. I'll get you the realest thing, the worst idea, and the coolest thing coming up in about 10 minutes from right now or so. But... 
to start things off. I'm in a good mood today. I got an early start. I'm going to have plenty of time to watch TV and to make dinner and have a decent night as opposed to the last several weeks where I'm recording at like 10 and 11 o'clock at night, and that always stresses me out. And so I'm in a great mood, but the biggest reason why is the Philadelphia Filthy Phillies are gone from the Major League postseason, and it makes me so, so incredibly happy to watch that miserable city cry and moan and all over themselves after those pompous pricks were just so loud. They're the best fans. They're the greatest fans. We have the most difficult ballpark to play in, and I promise I won't do a ton of baseball here, but, you know, the greatest fans found this on Twitter. It's from John Boy Media. Someone just standing outside the game last night when they lost to the Diamondbacks in Game 7. Two straight games they lost in the most difficult place with the craziest atmosphere and the most amazing fans. This is just some of the numbnuts on their way out the door last night. Let's see what people got to say. We had a whole field for two games. Two games. And you let them come here and beat us. Phillies need to sell Trey Turner. That guy's a fucking idiot. We went farther without that guy. <laughs> Fuck the Phillies, honestly. Trade the whole fucking team. This team fucking blew today. I want to say that I'm fucking depressed. I had to ask nine people for this fucking cigarette. Philly fans, we always stink. Disappointment. Yeah. Oh, man, that was just straight garbage. This sucks. I hope they never fucking play a baseball game again. Swing. Fire topper. <laughs> Feeling like I want to go lay in traffic. Fuck all them bitch ass motherfuckers. I couldn't get a hit when we motherfucking needed it. Um, I love how we spent 700 mil for guys to go 0 for 12 combined. Let's go Jets. Hit the fucking ball, man. Come on, really? Yeah. Hit the fucking ball. Overpaid ass. <laughs> Fuck that. Hey, wait. Where'd you get this banana? From a homeless guy. Hey, how do we feel about dancing on my own as a song moving forward? You got to cut it. Time to retire it. Find something new. On, I'm crying instead of dancing. I get shitty ass song. They need to ditch that. Shit. I don't want to hear that song ever again. And they How play about you too? shut up. <laughs> they play that song at their stadium at some point every night. Um, we're all the same. All fans are the same. Fan is short for fanatical or fanatics. If the team's good, we show up. If they're not good, we don't. If they're winning, we're uh, boisterous about it and we're loudmouths. And if we're losing, we're mad. And uh, just, it's, it's all the same. We're all the same. All fan bases are. And then when it turns into this war like it had uh, a week and a half ago, it's just nonsense. And, um, and I'm not, you know, that I've, 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 got, I've rode the roller coaster of emotions here too. I get it. Philly fan, you're no different than every other fan base in the country. Stop acting like you're something that you're not. All right, there we go. We'll move along. Um, for no real discernible reason that I can figure out, gas prices have plummeted. Now, we have a war now, a second one going on, as World War III is pretty much already in gear. So I'm sure any minute now it's going to start going back up. But it's not down a little. It's down a whole lot. And with Brian Kemp, the, the governor of Georgia, suspending the gas tax, which I'm sure he won't, you know, he'll, he'll get rid of that as soon as he has the opportunity to. Um, gas at the Food City on the other side of the Georgia, on the Georgia line over here, it's $2.75. And with my 15 cents off, because that's where I shop, that's $2.50 a gallon. I can handle $2.50 a gallon. Of course, I don't need a tank of gas right now. And I'm sure by the time I do, it'll skyrocket back up but once again the it goes up it goes down and nobody ever understands exactly why all right so shifting gears you know when you're at a party or you're at a gathering or just at somebody's house or anywhere and you make a big elaborate i'm gonna leave see you later so good to see you love you to death hug everybody kiss on the cheek you know, if you're not like me, who spent most of my life doing what I guess, don't they call it the Irish goodbye, where you just disappear? And then you get out to your car and you're like, God, damn it, left my keys inside. Or I left my wallet for whatever reason. Or whatever, something you forgot. And then, oh, hey, I'm back. Uh, hey, uh. And then it's just like, oh, God. And then you're like, okay, I'm leaving for real this time. Bye. And everybody's like, oh, God, Jesus, didn't we already do this? 
Well, that's what happened with Zarzars. And I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun on a situation I think in the end is going to work out fine for Dixie Fuller and uh, anybody involved with the sale of his property, his house and his and the restaurant that's been there for over 100 years. And he's had this long goodbye, and I maybe now I'll go grab a burger there. I don't know, you know. But all of a sudden, that fell through. That sale, that was done. He'd packed up. Everything's done. The Last Supper was last week for many, and here it is. We're back open on Monday. So that's got to be a little bit awkward for Dixie and everybody involved. But in the end, that's very lucrative property, and he was very apologetic about having to sell it and you know, really, really was constantly apologizing. And I said on this show, and I meant it, and I would say it to his face if I talked to him, I like Dixie, I hope he likes me, don't apologize, man. This is worth a lot of money. Retire already. It's okay. And I get I get it. You know, long family thing. I understand all that. But it's okay. Cash in. And he will. So if you still want to grab a bite at Zarzar's, they're open now for however long. I will do a, a longer segment on this maybe as soon as next week. There is an account on... Instagram that I stumbled on, a local one, and I don't remember what it's called now, so it's not, not going to do a whole lot of good in this moment, but they had this whole thing about the traffic and the and the road work going on around Chattanooga and some studies that were little head scratchers to me that I might uh, spend some time on, but for now, just to mention, we are now in a stretch of road work and congestion in this city that I've never seen before. I've been here effectively my entire life, and with 75 about to have another uh, project to start near Hamilton Place that most people don't even know about, and then the widening or whatever the hell they're doing near East Brand Road, and then the uh, the East Ridge Terrace mess that we've all known about and knew was coming for a long time, that they're now, if I were to guess, they're maybe a quarter of the way through, where they're taking out the two bridges and adding lanes on both sides to 24 going towards the ridge cut. Which, to everybody's credit in TDOT, I believe the traffic flow is really pretty efficient on the terrace, north and south, and in East Ridge. All anybody wants to do is yell, scream, and moan online. But for me, I drive it every day, and overall, I think it's pretty good. But getting in and out of town and traveling to, say, Nashville, which I'm doing this weekend, I'm hearing horror stories of four and five hours to get to Nashville and back. Um... Three and a half, my brother told me, last week, just to come back from Nashville into town. I was downtown for, what was it? What was I downtown for? Oh, just hanging out at a friend's house last weekend. And as I was coming to where I thought they were done with all that work there, where Broad Street now connects to 24 to go towards the south end, further towards St. Elmo, they were diverting the entire that wasn't the interstate. That's not 24. That's uh, 27. No, no, that was 24. They were diverting it off to broad. It was a whole bleep show. I have never seen this much road work at this exact time. This isn't man bitches about crowded interstate. This is guy is just acknowledging I've never seen this kind of road work. And this is, uh, it's a nightmare to try to get anywhere around here. And, and that is going to be the case for the foreseeable future. Maybe more on that, uh, maybe as soon as next week. Uh, this headline is Fleischman among those cut seeking speaker's seat. Um, Chuck Fleischman, just one of the most, most worthless congressmen, maybe in the country. Uh, clearly, I don't know many of them. Certainly haven't met any of them, but two that I can think of quickly off the top of my head. Uh, he came in last in the first round of conference voting late Tuesday and not advancing to the second round as he put himself in the running for Speaker of the House. Fleischman received 10 votes. Assuming he voted for himself, that means he got nine additional votes. So clearly no one else in Congress thinks very highly of him either. Uh, a few things to do here that I will probably put off till another time that are not important right now. The only thing I'll mention on international affairs, the headline is Missiles Pummel Gaza as Death Toll Climbs. 
Israel escalated airstrikes across the Gaza Strip on Tuesday, crushing families in the rubble of residential buildings as health officials and hundreds of Palestinians were killed in the past day and medical facilities were shut down because of bomb damage and lack of power. Gaza's 2.3 million people have been running out of food, water, and medicine since Israel sealed off the territory. The Gaza Health Ministry, which is run by Hamas, the terrorist organization, said Israeli airstrikes killed at least 704 people over the past day, mostly women and children. I'm not going to have a greater point on either side, on either end of any spectrum here. But are there not rules of engagement here? I didn't. When did just blowing up people and areas and stuff just become a thing that internationally is just, yeah, hey, it's cost of doing business, right? I don't know what the rules of engagement of war are, but there are some, correct? Like, Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. That The Ukraine-Russia war, that's not a war. That's an invasion, right? Put that aside. So because terrorists attack you, now it's just blow shit up left and right without any care or concern, shoot first and take names later? I'm just asking, and I'm not saying anything definitively or specifically. I'm just asking. And that's all I'll ask or say rhetorically about that. Let's do some uh, audio here real quick and have a little bit of fun here on the tail end of the open. This is today's realest thing. The uh, the Sunday scaries, as they call them, right? Well, this lady on TikTok is asking, what is the equivalent? What is the Sunday scaries to what we're experiencing right now? And I certainly can identify with this. Today's realest thing. What's the Sunday scaries equivalent to? I think the colors peak this weekend, which means that the leaves are going to start falling off the tree soon and it's Halloween next week, which means that people are going to start putting up Christmas decorations on Wednesday and then daylight savings isn't very far behind that. It's going to start getting dark at like two o'clock and then it's going to start snowing soon and then it's going to be winter forever. Is there, is there a phrase for that? Yeah. What what do you call that? What, what, do you, what do you call this time of year that most reasonable people hate? I don't know if there's an actual term for that. The winter scaries, I guess. I won't have a whole lot of further commentary. I just couldn't help but pick today's worst idea because of how insane it sounds. This is on our business. Why are you doing that? He said, uh, Macron, nice guy. You know, look, he's for France. I'm for, I'm for us. I'm for us. You know how you spell us, right? You spell us, U.S. I just picked that up. Has anyone ever thought of that? I just picked that up. A couple of days I'm reading and it said us. And I said, you know, if you think about it, us equals U.S. Isn't that? Now, if we say something genius, they'll never say it. You know, we get 25, 30, 40, 50, 80,000, 100,000 people in speeches. They've never said Trump's a great speaker. Never said. I've never heard it. I said to my people, do you think they'll ever acknowledge I must be doing okay? Uh, Except I'm a very handsome person, so I guess a lot of you want to sit. They want to sit and look at me because I'm so like a beauty pageant. No, it's amazing. This was just the other day. I That's not audio that was doctored or edited in any way. That was a video that I pulled that audio from. Not spliced, not cut, not edited. What the fuck was that? Ugh, <laughs> oh, America, we are effed up. And today's coolest thing is Nick Letzko talking about his show tomorrow night. It is a huge costume contest. I hate that kind of stuff, but I love Nick Letzko, and I will be there today's coolest thing. Hi, everyone. It's me, Big Nick, here to talk about Big Nick, big costume contest. This is happening next Friday in Chattanooga, Tennessee at The Signal. We're going to have Desmond, the star of Grimmel Street Dawn of Desmond, hosting and judging this inaugural contest. Uh, just to be clear, the prizes did not equal $100,000, but it is called the 100K Costume Contest, or uh, Big Nick Big Costume Contest. You frankly can call it whatever you want. We call it uh, Grimmel Street Dawn of Costume Contest. And uh, we got prizes from Spirit Halloween, 
We got free tickets from The Signal and uh, great prizes from local businesses such as Be Caffeinated and Yellow Racket Records and Fox and Fern. And uh, the local Cold Stone Creamery is, is donating some ice cream. So dress up as ice cream. Dress up as uh, Vin Diesel from the Fast and the Furious franchise. There are so many characters. You know, it's not limited to those two. You can dress up as anyone: Garfield, uh, Chucky, the any any of these characters. You're welcome to to enter the challenge and see if you can take up some grand prizes. For example, uh, swords, vinyl, and uh, um, uh, t-shirts. For example. So, I'll see you all at the Signal on Friday, October 27th, with puddles pity party or or you could be an adult and not put on a clown suit or any kind of costume and just go see a, a, a performance a rock and roll show which will be a silly one of his uh theatrical kind of things but if you're gonna dress up that's fine too i don't think i mentioned also the final segment of the show after we talked to we i talked to barry it'll be uh the comment section of many of the riverbend is going on hiatus posts from social media so that should be fun uh this is the little uh, thing they put together think scooby-doo reenactment kind of uh, animation to this song for the signal show nick let's go puddles pity party it's going to be a big time we'll likely uh see you there i won't recognize you because you'll be wearing a clown suit and, but i won't so you'll recognize me all right barry quarter joins the show next More Stone on air. It's about to get all stupid up in here. Stoneonair.com. I'll start with Riverbend. I always go and I enjoy it. And I always preface like I'm not a Riverbend hater. I'm getting closer to a hater. The Coke stage is a freaking disaster. This stage is the worst stage in the country. Bands feed off of crowds, right? It electrifies the moment. Now, 38 Special doesn't because their crowd's sitting in a freaking lawn chair. But a, a, a hard-charging rock and roll band doesn't want the crowd 200 feet away. And that's what's happened with this disastrous Coke stage. This, this is an absurd stage. It's, it's, it's an absurd festival all the way around. So that stage has got to go. This thing's got to change. We've got to get down to like a five-day festival, put some actual quality talent on these stages that people actually want to see. It's just not a practical layout for a festival anymore. You know, go buy some tokens. And even that's ridiculous. What is this, a carnival? I mean, what is this, a county fair? Go buy some tokens. Enough. Enough. I've had enough of it. It's just not practical, and this county fair mentality is 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 just dumb. That was nearly ten years ago. About eight, maybe about eight years ago on the talk station when I finally said, I'm done playing this game. I'm done pretending like, you know, this festival is not absurd. The old layout, the old carnival aspect of it. This is Goose. I will get to the comments here in the final segment of the show, but buddy of mine put on one of them said, uh, I blame the hiatus, quote unquote, of Riverbend on the Goose set this year. I responded, uh, no truth to that rumor yet, but we are looking into it. One of the fantastic uh, bookings of this past year's Riverbend. I was critical of Goose, and I did not like their show specifically. But I loved the weekend of Riverbend 2023, and I loved the festival in 2022. When it tried to become something that many of us had been begging and pleading for for so, so long. And I got a lot of uh, pushback from people in the industry and around me at the station. I was mid-30s and and just starting to get my feet under me in the talk radio orbit. And finally decided to say, I mean, because we were big sponsors of Riverbend for, I don't know, however long. We, they. And it was not cool to come on the air and say, Riverbend sucks. And I had been feeling that way for a few years. And I just didn't have it in me to say it out loud, and I finally had had enough. I don't remember what it was specifically that made me say, enough, I'm done. I'm not playing this game anymore. And within a year or so of that, I was fired from the radio station. So I, I didn't have anything to do with that, but 
about the time I started to say I'm going to go my own way and do kind of do my own thing here, it wasn't too long before they were not going to have um, any of that. So, anywho, let's move along. The festival was announced earlier this week that they are going on hiatus. What does that mean? Well, we can all take our own guesses. And for now, all we can do is just talk about it. And that's what we'll do right now. And joining me now on the Stone on Air Newsmaker line, he is formerly of the Chattanooga Times Free Press, pretty much covering every beat there is over the last several decades, and currently the co-host of the What Podcast, an all-around just cool Chattanooga guy, Barry Corder on the line with me. Barry, I'll uh, you'll be flattered to know that, A, I had Chris Cobb first that I wanted, and scheduling conflicts didn't didn't make that happen. B, the Friends of the Festival unsolicited offered me Mickey McCamish, and I don't really want Mickey. And then so C, you're my third choice. I hope that doesn't upset you too much. Wow, no, I'll take that all day long. Chris, <laughs> Chris Cobb is a good guest any day. And, uh, you know, much respect for uh, trying to go to the source or not going to the source. So I, I get it. I appreciate it yeah. very much. Well, with Mickey, I, I pretty much know what he's going to say. That, that's that, much respect from this end as well. I wanted to talk to more of a somewhat outsider, which Chris was. And then he was kind of pulled in in the last couple of years. I, I wanted his perspective and we might do that another time. So we'll just chat like we normally do, whether it's around a, a campsite at a festival or on the radio or on your uh, podcast. We'll talk about the what podcast on the way out. Um, let me just uh, start here. Simple question. 40 years of Riverbend. Of those 40 years, how many times have you attended, whether it be covering or just as a general patron, whether it be one day for whatever reason of those 40 years? That's a good question. Probably 70 to 80%. And the only reason it's not 100% is because there was a stretch where it was the same weekend as Bonnaroo and I was already up in Manchester. So, but even in those years, I would do all of the uh, preview stories for the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I mean, I literally would leave, let's say, Thursday morning, and I would have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday stories already lined up for Riverbend. So but that, I would be in Manchester. The reason for asking that question, because I knew that part of it, is I was curious as to how much of the 80s you had been there. and so All of it. All of it. So would you speak to me? Me, I've been going since 1997, so that's a long time, but in the grand scheme of the whole thing, that's a barely two-thirds. Can you speak to the, the ex- excitement of the festival from an outsider and insider perspective from the, let's say, the more like the mid-80s when it kind of became, it started off as five days and it kind of took a few minutes to turn into what it was. Can you speak to that, to the late to mid to late-80s? to where it became maybe in around the, t- the mid 2000s that most people who are listening to this are more familiar with. Yeah, that's a I mean that's a good point. And I'm going to I'm not even going to try to get years cuz I don't have them in front of me. Sure. But uh so I mean Chattanooga downtown was desolate. There was absolutely no reason to go downtown. And the the five nights in Chattanooga was not part of it whatever those first two years According to certain people, but what it did was light a fire in the minds of other people who thought, "What a what can we do?" and b this could work. It was a we catalyst. People- yeah, a catalyst to many other things. It it opened a lot of minds and a lot of talk. And I mean, you know, we we became the charrette capital of the world, as I like to joke. I mean, my <laughs> God, we had so many charrettes and planning and visions and and whatever. And Riverbend was a huge part of it. The big turning point for most people was the Pointer Sisters, which was, I think, the second year of actually being down on the river. Maybe it was the third. Like I said, somebody out there's head's probably exploding, but I've done this so long that the numbers kind of all whatever. But it was on the riverfront and there was still the fence running down the middle of the road. And there were so many people that showed up, it became dangerous. And again, it was a huge aha moment that, my God, people will show up in downtown Chattanooga for a music festival. And it exploded and it became this 
this giant fun thing. Uh, you would go down and thousands of people, the numbers, you know, you know, the joke, I'm not going to go there. Sure. It was never a hundred thousand. It was always a lot of people, whatever it was, uh, doesn't matter. It was enough to continue to keep doing it. It was originally spread over several nights all over town and uh, over the years with Bruce Story and then Richard Brewer, it, you know, it just became more focused uh, in a lot of ways. And it became this community event. And it really was, it's, it's become a, you know, almost a running joke. It really became a, the Chattanooga's family reunion. So it, that's what it was for many, many years. The, the music itself, the acts, debatable. I mean, you and I are huge music fans. So, and I say that with respect. Um, I saw a lot of great bands. I saw a lot of really bad bands. I saw a lot of local bands that were getting a shot. You know, they wouldn't get a shot in any other universe. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that so, held serve, if, if I'm using the, my recollection and then what you're telling me now, that general excitement level from this town held serve for about almost three decades. Would that be fair yeah, to say? I, about two and a half to three decades. 30. Yeah, I was going to say about 30. Yeah, I would say that's fair. And then with, and, the, and with the turn of the century, the festival industry exploded um, after the ni- Woodstock 99 debacle and then the Bonnaroo run. We're not going to do an entire history run here, but when, once that exploded, that started to change, and then the generation flips into the new century. It's definitely gone a different direction, and, and anybody listening to this understands what's happened the last, and I've been off and on throughout this whole podcast talking about it. Uh, so I was just curious, really, what you just said about the 80s, how the feel was. When you heard that they were going to take a hiatus two or three days ago, whatever day it was, what was your first thoughts? Can I go back real quick? Sure. Just just to put a point on that. So 2002, Bonnaroo comes in. I start going. You've been to everyone for, what, the first eight or nine years, and I meant it. It was sort of don't compare. They are completely different festivals, and I really did mean it. Yeah. The fact that we had the best, you know, one of the best festivals in the country just an hour from here really had no impact on Riverbend. But that started to change about eight or nine years ago. So I just want to make that timeline sort of point and and we can get back into that if you want to. But so to your question, what did I think? Not surprised at all. A little disappointed in some of the spin that was trying to be put forward. But yeah. as far as was I surprised that it was going away? Absolutely not. You know, I, it was a shame because you and I, I think, both went the last two years. And I really did like the direction that it was taking. But it lost money. Yeah, both uh, Reality years. is, if it didn't have the government bail out, you know, from two years ago, it would have lost so much money. Then we might have been talking about this a year and a half or so ago. Yeah, that so. was uh, that's actually one of my uh, wh- where I was eventually going to go, and I'll come right back to it. And I, I, I don't generally or almost ever use social media threads, whether it be a news channel, media channel uh, f- on Facebook, whether it be the Riverbend Festival site itself uh, and their post. I don't generally use that as a temperature. But there was a lot of a lot a lot of discussion on several different pages and. Good riddance seemed to be the majority of everything I saw. News Channel 9 had 250-plus posts. Uh, the Riverbend Festival itself, I think, had over our comments total, had over 400. And I saw way more to hell with Riverbends than I saw anything else. I, I feel like I shouldn't be using that as a barometer, but it's hard to ignore. Okay, so what, what I think, and I brought up the 2002 thing again. So... I'm a little bit older than you. You're you're 42, 43. 43, yeah. So you came up pretty much probably as a young person who went to your first. I was a, you know, 20-something going. And so for me, it was all brand new. You came up with it, and it was new and great and local. But then you started going to other festivals. And it's so hard to make people who don't don't know understand once you go to another festival 
and see how it can be, it changes how you view things, right? Yeah, sure. So Riverbend, in my opinion, was always a great local fe- festival, and, but it always had this sort of, you know, isn't this great for Chattanooga kind of thing? Call that a county fair, call it whatever you want to. I'm not a hater. I had a lot of fun at, at Riverbend many, 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 every time, even the last couple, several years. But once you start to see that, you mean I can see Tame Impala or the police or, you know, whoever your favorite act is, instead of insert classic rock band yeah. with two or three original members. As a young person, as a 20-something-year-old, that's a different mindset than a 40- or 50-year-old who's happy to see somebody playing the hits that they grew up with. You know what I mean. I know you do because we've talked about this a hundred times. The mindset is different for a young person who has experienced that kind of event than it is for someone who goes to one music event a year. And and I guess to speak to that exactly is that the, the young per- people we're talking about that might have been happy with the last couple of years are probably not posting on News Channel 9's uh, no, Facebook no, no, thread. They're, they're not. <laughs> and, and not and, on, yeah, and they're, and they're probably not discussing it at all, even if they care, because they're, you know, distracted by not. other things. And, it's just, and, I couldn't help but note, I just, I was just like, my God, the, the to hell with Riverbend posts are more than I expected. Um, well, we could, I mean, that, that goes down another rabbit hole. Did Riverbend make a mistake by not changing their name when they changed? Uh, That's a question me, I, I had on my list for you. We'll go right sure. to it. Do you, do you think when they, when they revamped in 22, not the, re, not the fake revamp in 19, which I've already spent on this show today, uh, the, the real revamp of 22 and 23, do you think they should have rebranded? It, it, hindsight, probably. Hindsight, but let me. I think I agree. Here's what here's what I'm here's what I thought of just before you called, and it it really just sort of hit on me. And I want to be very clear. I mean, I've covered this thing since the very beginning, and I'm friendly with just about everybody involved. But it occurred to me tonight: not one person, except for probably Dixie Fuller, who is no longer there, is what I would consider in the music industry. All of the people, and I say this with a lot of respect, all of the board members, all of the people, and I guess we could argue a couple of the staff members, are not full-time music people. They're community-minded volunteers. And kudos for them for doing it. But that's a good and a bad thing, the more I thought about it. You know, the good news is they did it for the community. They did it because their heart was right. They love Chattanooga. They love what they believe in that this festival did. But the other side of it is they're not music festival people. Yeah. And they were not willing to see that change was happening. Uh, And that, to me, is the biggest thing. They made a lot of changes over the years, but they held on to that barge, which we've talked about. I hated that barge. They held on to, you know, so many things. And then they made the big change a couple of years ago. And was it too little, too late? Maybe. I don't know. It just, everything, the music industry changed and it did not. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how else to say it. And I, if that insults any of the people that I've worked with over the years, I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. Let's, I mean, even Bonnaroo, Brian, I mean, my gosh. How drastically has it changed in the last two years? Yeah, it's it's had about three different uh, kind of overall least. revamps, if that's the word you want to use. Let's right. go back to that COVID money, because that's one thing I wanted to ask you, the government subsidy that um, l- many, many, many music venues and, and festivals all across the country took advantage of because that's what it was there for and, and used very well by many. And I would say Riverbend did it very well. I was never sure. I th- I only heard that that I don't like. I don't have old news articles or sources to remind me of of how much money that was. I think I remember it might have been a couple of million or so. Yeah. 
that it was, was about two point one, if I remember correctly. And that was what I'm, this is my conjecture here. Why I believe they were able to make the ticket price. What I am going to say so low for twenty two, a ninety five dollars starting ticket price for a festival is small. That's just a tiny amount of money. I get we're not. I don't even want to start talking about the old thirty five. We all get this. But they, you're telling me they still lost money even with that government subsidy in 22, and then 23 they didn't have it. They no, I think they broke close to even in 22, but they didn't have it last year and lost. Um, I mm, about 170 thousand, I think yeah, I read earlier. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was you know. Either way, it's not profitable. Is the point? It has. It has not been. profitable, and you got to remember too. They cut staff. They're down to about three or four full time people. They sold the building. They sold all their staging and gating and and all of the the stuff that they used to have that they owned, and that they also could rent out for you know other events, uh, Okoe days and things like that when when they used to do that sort of thing. So they sold their assets. Basically, they rent now a, a space downtown, and they have very few staff members, full-time staff members. Um, what are your so thoughts on ex- the expanded version of Riverfront Nights? Um, that looks like that's where their attention and focus and any extra disposable revenue and money is going to go. Basically mirroring Nightfall from Labor Day or Memorial Day through Labor Day. I mean, I quit. My quick thought is probably going to work. It's free. People like free. What do you think? What, what are your thoughts on that? Hundred, yeah, hundred uh, percent. And our, you know, our friend Mike Dewar. I, I don't think I'm breaking any news. Mike Dewar is going to book it. Nobody knows local music as well as Mike. He knows what people like. He knows what works. They had a hugely successful year last year with Mike and Chris Cobb booking it. I did reach out to some people involved with Nightfall and and even Mike, uh, because that was my first thought was, wow, well, now you're going to compete for the same acts. And then I realized, no, they really don't. Uh, you know, Carla Pritchard, who books Nightfall, has always approached it like her job is to introduce people to music they would not hear. Otherwise, that's gotten harder and harder because of, you know, Spotify and festivals and whatever but she does a great job mike is more interested in fun the dance party bands the the show up and have a good time yeah and it's down on the river yeah so, i used to i used to say uh that if you love nightfall you'll love riverfront nights and if you hate nightfall you'll love riverfront nights yeah Cause, agree because they're not the same but they're the same enough so uh, they feel the same to yeah people like you and me where it might where it might come into play you know there's only so much sponsorship dollars and now you're talking about Friday and Saturday night for 14 15 16 consecutive weeks whereas Riverfront Nights was was like six nights so it felt kind of special you know you could do one or the other or you could do both but to do both for 16 straight weeks is is maybe a little tough. So, you know, when I thought about it, it was a little kind of bothersome that friends of the festival would just choose to do that. But I don't know, maybe we're a big enough city. We're all grown ups. you know, maybe it works. Well, I mean, and this, and you know, I love Mike too, but there's going to do what we're talking about. There's going to be, you know, Riverfront nights. You said it's fun. Yeah, it, it, there's, I mean, the, the, the first act is already announced it's Jimmy Buffett cover band, you know? So like that doesn't do anything for me. Um, I thought yeah. this past year they did really well with the Southern culture on the skids and cowboy mouth. I'd like to see more stuff like that. Maybe we will, maybe we won't that that's for another time into next year. It's, they don't need to put a lot of money into their budget for, for the performance because it's kind of got a built in crowd, on, right. And and I get what they're doing, and I'm not mad about it. But at first, I did kind of think, really, we're going to trade because I, I, you know, I, you know this, and most people listen regularly know I had a huge shift in the last two years, and have been Riverbend's number one fan, and I am I was bummed, terribly bummed, not surprised in the slightest, with not having any real you know, insider other than just the same kind of stuff that you have access to. Not really surprised at all. Here's uh, one of my final questions for you today. Hiatus in air quotes, or is Riverbend done? Oh, it's done. Yeah. 
And that's what I meant by I was disappointed in the the spin. It's not coming back. Yeah. I mean, and even what would that look like? I mean, I, I'm disappointed that they won't admit it. They need to. And, you know, I'm going to make people mad. And again, they're friends of mine. They lost their way several years ago. And I thought they had found it a little bit two or three years ago with bringing Chris Cobb and Mike Dewar in and pulling the Band-Aid off. It felt like they did. It felt like they did. As a patron, it felt like they did. Absolutely. I I loved the last two years. It was comfortable. The music was great. The stage was great. The setting was great. It felt like a really nice festival like you and I have, you know, sort of grown accustomed to. Um, But you got to have money. You got to have money to put that sort of thing on. And like I said, I love the people that are trying to put it on, but I don't see a lot of them at these other festivals that we go to. There are some, and I won't name names, but there are three or four who love it as much as we do. But the rest of them, I think they see it as a community event and that people will just show up because it's the right thing to do. And I mean, Chattanooga doesn't do that anymore. We ain't going to go watch softball or soccer or, you know, whatever, because the guys on the radio say we need to. Yeah, it's got to be a compelling. Uh, those days are so long gone. Yeah, it's got to be a compelling product. And while it was too many, that really, I mean, I don't think it's out of bounds or unfair to say the Riverbend name was tarnished. And to to it's the tough. to to different demographics of people in different ways. Like the young person thought, well, Riverbend's stupid. That place sucks. And then the you know it's 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 a, it's a really weird dynamic, really like a dichotomy that I've never really dealt with before of of almost like infighting. Um, with, well, that's because you're now old. You're starting to see things like I told you you would. <laughs> yeah. As you sat and Captain Butter talking about all it. those times. I was like Barry, shut up, man. Yeah. Enough of that. You old shut guy. up, you old man. <laughs> telling me to get off your lawn. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate your time, Barry. I always love talking music. What's coming up on the what? Uh, I know you guys are the what. Podcast. I know you're in um, you're in gray area zone. There's not much going on uh, for Bonnaroo, which is where your show originated from, but it's branched out to many other things. It's now you're just waiting for the you know dates, you know, waiting for the calendar. Uh, but what's going on here in the somewhat, next month yeah, or two? Somewhat. Uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, the whatpodcast.com. Shameless plug. Brad Steiner and I with uh, Russ Jackson, Lord Taco. We're trying to line up. Coincidentally, some folks with the C3 Live Nation world to talk about what went right and what's gone wrong in their universe with other festivals. So very much looking forward to that. And then we're still kind of going back and forth with uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, about festivals. So we're, we're still doing a weekly show. We're part of the Consequence Network. Doing it every week is tough. I don't I'm envy you. Lie. I don't envy you having to do a uh, genre-specific podcast weekly. Oh my god, that's that'd be like talking baseball twenty-four. You know, like fifty-two yeah, days a week tough. or fifty-two days a year. <laughs> that's that's just a that's just that's just difficult. Um, but it's wildly popular in the in the festival circuit. So I uh, appreciate the work you guys do. Thanks for having me on when you do, and thanks for joining me today, Barry. Yeah, man. Thank you. You showing up and helping at Moon River and Bonnaroo and and uh, even uh, otherwise because I always love hearing your insights because you love this stuff just as much as I do. All right, Barry. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thank you. Barry Corder on the Stone on Air Newsmaker line. Running very late in this segment. That's fine. Shorten it up next as I take a look at the always fun comment section of many of the threads on social media in regards to what most of us believe is the end of an era, the end of the Riverbend Festival. I'll get to that coming up next. Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. So what is the point of this podcast? It is not to just be a big asshole 
about how much I don't like Riverbend and how much I don't like Chip Baker and how much I don't like the just the entire thing logistically. I do like many people, though. I want to make sure people understand this, that work within the Friends of the Festival. Dixie Fuller, Bob Payne. Karen Showstack and most certainly Jeff Styles. I all consider, uh, well, I mean, I consider them friends. Some of them might not consider me a friend. I'm not sure, but I have respect for them. But overall, it, this festival is just, it's amateur hour. And after spending this entire offseason talking about this amazing renaissance, this revamped, this reinvented, this new, this re-envisioned festival, it's just not true. It's not true no matter how many times Amy Morrow says it. You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. No, it won't. We have plenty of folks in place, and it should be a very smooth process. And no, it wasn't either. It will be a visible and, I guess, just a, an emotional experience that, that will be like none other. It's it's part of the renaissance of Riverbend. No, there is no renaissance of Riverbend. What are you doing? Make up your mind. Decide what you want to be. If you want to be a county fair, be the county fair. But if you want to be a world-class music festival, like I've heard all off-season, world-class music on you know, huge stages and lights and incredible new renaissance, well, then you need to actually do that. Brand new Green Day. You know, there's always that song title or song lyric where you're thinking, why didn't I think of that? The American Dream is killing me. Not a huge fan of Green Day anymore, but I figured I'd feature it as they released this yesterday. They've got a big stadium tour coming up in 2024. There will not be a river bend in 2024, as you now know. That audio you just heard on the rejoin was from about four and a half years ago when um, the Riverbend Brass got involved with AC Entertainment and tried to kind of half-ass a rejuvenation, a renaissance, as they kept calling it, a revamp of the festival, and it was a, a complete and total disaster. And then 2020 hits, and 21, and we know all about that, and then in 22, the actual revamp and rejuvenation and renaissance of the festival. And by that time, it was pretty much too late. But in 2019, it was terrible. It was so bad. I'm not even going to try to relive it. But uh, it, I wanted to like it. I wanted to get on board. And as you clearly heard there, that was from the podcast standalone um, in 20. I don't. Yeah, I was on the radio then. I might have talked about it on Alt 98.7, I, I, I would imagine. But So let's move on to just a few minutes here, about 10 plus minutes or so, of the comment section, which is always a, well, I was going to say it's always a fun place. Well, no, it's actually usually a disastrous place. And I shouldn't use it as a barometer, but it was hard to ignore how many people just said to hell with Riverbend. And I will start with, this is from Riverbend's Facebook page, and it was one of the very first ones. I always thank you to all my uh, listeners and friends who send me screenshots and news updates. I, you, it is, if you think that you're not doing me a favor, if you think maybe you know he probably already knows this, the chances are I don't already know it, and you're doing me a massive favor. Lots of times I get information, quote-unquote, first, because I get it from other people. So thank you to anybody who does that. And somebody sent me this minutes after it was released. And so this comment for me was one of the very first ones. I said, the last two years have been a damn blast. The way a contemporary music festival is supposed to be. I'll expand on this week's podcast. Thanks, Riverbend Festival. You will be missed dearly in 2024. And that got 39 reactions of likes, hearts, hugs, and smiles, and loves, and all those things. Nicole says, couldn't agree more. My, uh, my guy Nathan Gale says, all 40 years have been a blast. I guess I can party with the sinners and the saints. Now, Nathan wasn't old enough to be there in the first years, but I get his point. Uh, my dear friend Lacey says, most don't realize how much work and money is put into such an event. Excited to see what you all come up with when you return. Well, Lacey, we don't think they're actually going to return. 
Another guy I uh, used to work with, colleague, former colleague Jason Kirk, says, can't say I'm surprised. Maybe it's time for a leadership change at Friends of the Festival. Mickey McCamish has been a total snooze as a CEO. And I responded to Jason. I said, yes, I wish McCamish would disappear from all things ASAP. Uh, Mickey McCamish is a fine gentleman. There is nothing wrong with him. Uh, thank you to Robin Derryberry, who went out of her way from Derryberry Public Relations to email me, uh, message me through Facebook anyway, and said, hey, I got Mickey McCamish available if you'd like him for an interview. So thank you. Dear, I mean that totally sincerely. I don't need to talk to Mickey McCamish. I know what Mickey McCamish will say before he says it. I wanted to talk to Chris Cobb, who immediately responded, who is one of the talent main talent buyers. He's my age. He is a rock star in music promotion, live on the green. He's one of the founders in Nashville, which is on a what might actually be a real hiatus. They might actually come back, but they will not be happening in uh, live on the green will not be happening in Nashville in 2024 either. It's actually an event I've never been to. It's it's kind of outgrown. It's kind of Nashville and that festival have kind of outgrown each other, if that makes any sense, which it, it likely doesn't, if unless you're familiar with it, and I don't have time to get into it now. But So he's having to deal with this on multiple levels. So, But Chris had other things going on. He couldn't join me. And uh, thanks again to Barry, who we had those conversations at – festival campsites or at uh, you know off to the side in between sets over the years many many times and always appreciate his insights so let's just read a few of these shall we and these go back and forth from good and bad mostly bad jacob says looks like it's time for a new director someone who isn't going to make stupid rules and will bring in some good artists and make security a bit higher take it back to the old years i don't know what he means by security being a problem security was just fine the last two years Chris says, I'd say a 35 amazing years. The last five were lackluster at best. Bobby says, we enjoyed the 10-day festival. Of course, that's history now. Three days do not work. Carmen goes the other direction, says, 45 years old here. I've been to both versions of Riverbend, and the last several years have been the best in all caps. I have been to Pilgrimage, Moon River, Railbird, Innings Festival, and Riverbend is on par with them. Those are all Southeastern Fests. And just a slightly smaller version of those. Great job, Riverbend Festival. Nicole says, cannot love this enough. Maybe if we keep making noise, they will listen. Here's a numbnut. That may be one way of thinking, but looking at the facts, it was much more successful in previous form with those band you refer to as has been that the bands you mention look up to as inspiration. Could it could kill you to proofread? Karen, appropriate name, says can't go to festivals that won't allow chairs to be carried in. Hopefully they will reevaluate this. I responded, Karen, they won't. No chairs. Crystal says, I am not a transplant and the new format worked great for me. Some people before were saying they just recently moved here. As they got current artists, and it was Friday through Sunday. Change is often good, whether people like it or not. Elena uh, says, God, please don't go back to the 16 days of has-been artists. Please, no Confederate Railroad and Travis Tritt. Uh, these are all more on the positive side. Dana says, I enjoyed the past three festivals so much, and I'm hoping it comes back with a similar concept. Great relevant acts in three days. Uh, let's see. Robert says, along with the revamping and changes made to the festival should have come with a name change. That's what me and Barry were just talking about. People who were used to the festival being nine days for 35 years were disgruntled. But those of us that love the new format were very happy. Take a look at Moon River, which is only two days with an even higher ticket price, and it's successful. I will miss Riverbend next year, and we'll have to spend my music festival funds in another city like Louisville or Lexington or Railbird or... Be, uh, bourbon and beyond. I believe all of those are in Kentucky. Come on, Riverbend, you can do this. And don't worry about the blowhards that expect nine days of festival for $65 and old country stars of yesteryear. Let's grow together. Unfortunately, I believe it is too little too late. Here's another one from the intellectually void who refused to even attempt to use punctuation or uh, proofread. 
No lie, they need to just come up with something else. Riverbend makes people not even want to go downtown throughout the whole time because of the prices, plus it the same exact thing as the year before with no artist no one really knows. And on top of that, everything cost and arm or leg. Thanks for that, Steve. Amy says, I was fortunate to have grown up in the 80s and 90s when Riverbend was Riverbend and the strut was the strut in all caps. Robbie says, they used to have big bands, good bands on main stage when the pin was 10 bucks for seven days. Then the next like three pages of this asinine discourse about allowing chairs. It says, you're not allowed chairs. When do they stop allowing chairs? I took chairs every year and they go... (laughs) Back and forth on that one for a long, long time. Uh, Marcia says, The river bends of the past were fun, reasonably priced. I never understood just what they were trying to accomplish with the changes. John responds to Marcia and says, Pandering to the entitled crowd. I promise you, those of us at Riverbend the last two years are not the entitled crowd. Kathy says, good decision. Too much crime going on there the last few years. Uh, did I miss this? Excuse me? Baking powder? Baking, beg your pardon? Where was the crime at Riverbend the last two or three years? Quote, unquote. Yeah, there was some issues with some, uh, some kids and some guns and some noise and stuff about five, six, seven, eight years ago. Back when we really pretended like we had a gang problem that we didn't actually have. I I missed all the crime the last uh, few years. Then the thread goes on and on and on about how awesome the Jimmy Buffett cover band A1A is going to be at the first Riverfront Nights next year, which was also announced within the last day or so. Trish says it's no longer a fun, family-friendly event. Time for it to go. There's nothing not family-friendly about the last two years. Chase says more like River Bent. No one will miss it. Angela, maybe they won't come back. Nothing but trouble down there. What again? What trouble? <laughs> it was as peaceful and as perfect of a couple of years of a music festival, really, that anybody could ask for from just the naked patron attendee eye. I don't, I don't know where these people are coming up with this, these thoughts. Other than what they heard. Let me tell you what I heard. And just a couple more, and I'll wrap up today's show. Benjamin says, I put a big star by this one. The organizers of Riverbend only want to cater to Caucasian people. I say we get rid of the entire organizing board, and let's get new organizers that consist of all races, one person from each race to represent Chattanooga. Let's put an end to these all-white committees. They are the true threats to our democracy. Okay, Benjamin. I, I almost want to say maybe the joke's on me, and that's that was a joke, and I'm just not getting it, but I don't think that's the case. A couple from uh, people who are going to miss it. I have enjoyed the new format the last two years. It was more relaxed and so much more fun. I've been going to music festivals my whole life. Hopefully, it'll be back and better in 25. Valerie says, I hate to see this. I've really enjoyed the more uh, same, basically saying the same thing. Plus, my young daughters enjoyed it, and I wasn't afraid of them being trampled by drunks like I was at the old-style Riverbend. I got to see some great acts also. Hope it gets figured out and doesn't go back to the Redneck Riviera concerts. And there was one here by uh, professional race baiter Marie Mott, which I don't know what I've done with. Now everything's all crumpled up and thrown around. I'm not going to find it, but she uses everything to create race wars in this city. She, I don't have time to reset Marie Mott, but if you know, you know. And the final one here, and I'll wrap it up today. Tony says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You messed with something that years ago was working fine and ruined it, especially when you did away with Faith and Family Night and you did away with the Strut Night which I don't care for and never went, but a lot of people loved it and participated in it. Everyone that went loved the music and the food, and it gave the vendors that participated a chance to make their living. And don't use the excuse that it was too dangerous. (laughs) So, guy that clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. 
He's never been to the strut. He just tells you and then tells you it's not dangerous and that these vendors, if they don't get to do with it this one day, can't make a living. And anybody who knows anything about the old strut knows that it was terribly dangerous. And that was two mayors ago. That was under Ron Littlefield. I want to say in 2009. Could have been more like seven, actually. Strut's been gone a long time. A decade and a half. And while I hated to hear and see it happen, I, at that time, said that this was a legacy move by Ron Littlefield. An unpopular move but potentially a legacy move because it was dangerous. Bobby Dodd was our chief police chief and would come on regularly. He was one of the best police chiefs this, this city's ever had and said this place is a terrible danger to pedestrians and and and, uh, and bystanders and, and patrons and anybody involved. This doesn't need to be taking place. Something terrible is going to happen. And as soon as it did, dipshits like Tony who says, don't use the excuse that it was too dangerous, are going to then be like, oh, what the hell? Why didn't you do something about it? God damn it, Tim Kelly. What's the matter with you? So there you go. All right. So that's all. I, I'm going to miss it dearly. I loved Riverbend the last two years. It, it was uh, a calendar event for me in this new version of it. It was kind of like the opening band. It's kind of like the warm-up band. For Bonnaroo. It what's made my June, my April's my month, June's my other month, September's my other other month. And June was better with when Riverbend was in it. Even when Riverbend sucked, June was better with it. And now we'll likely never have it again. Which totally sucks. But appreciate you guys and gals being here. Do it again for the first Thursday of November next week. See you later. Bye.